Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. One, two, three. What is now? On ESPN Radio. Well, every time I think this is a, such a uh, silly thing, but every time I think of the uh, the East Coast and the Northeast, I think of the movie Wedding Crashers. Oh, jeez! And I, <laughs> I think about you know the guys sailing on the yachts and they're playing flag football in the yard and their sweaters and oh, all yeah. that. You just got back from the Northeast. It's not just crab cakes and football, though, right? Uh, there's other stuff, you know. <laughs> there's lobster cakes and lobster rolls and all sorts of fun why, East Coast why stuff. Why is it that, stuff. Uh, yeah, obviously, like, there's the East Coasters, you know, like the Philly people and the New York people and yeah. the Washington, D.C. DC people, and you kind of know the those personalities. If you've ever been around people from there, most of them are exactly like the stereotype. They'll tell you all about New York and Philly and you know, oh, yeah. how awesome it is and all that. Seems like the Northeast is a little different, though. I've known so many people from New Hampshire and Vermont and all that. Well, is it similar to Montana? Why do those people seem to gravitate here? Uh, Sensibility-wise, yeah, I am from New Hampshire. I right. spent the last couple of weeks in a small cabin in New Hampshire on a lake. And it is. It's very similar uh, culturally to Montana. I mean, people generally have pretty strong connection to the outdoors, pretty strong connection to place and appreciate the natural resource and generally kind of want to do their own thing and be left alone. There's a libertarian streak in New Hampshire, New Hampshire politics that is similar to some of the uh, sensibilities here in Montana. So for me, moving here was, um, you know, felt familiar in a way. Uh, although to your point, I spent yesterday in Boston just before our flight. We Boston. Did, it was, yeah, we did the whole like tourist thing with the kids, walked around the city, went on a duck tour, the whole thing. And it just sort of brings back all these memories from childhood. Yeah, Boston is a distinctive place and uh, it, it is an East Coast city in terms of the edge to it, but it is very distinct from New York and Philly and Washington. They're all different in their own ways. Back at Studio 49 for the first time in a little while. It's a business angle. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle, the host of the New Angle podcast, the co-host of this segment. He is back from a trip to the East Coast, joining us here on ESPN Radio. All right, so have you checked out? It's so funny, the way that trends work. I want to ask about trends, too. Sure. Uh, and, and Netflix is such an amazing business because it, it hasn't really been around that long. I remember when I first got Netflix, and it must have only been 12 or 13 years ago, 
And I remember I watched the whole West Wing, but I would have to send the DVD back and yeah. then get the DVD. Yeah. It was like this whole process. And then all of a sudden they're streaming it. I'm like, what is, what is this? And now it's just this monster. But it's so funny how it dictates the trend of pop culture now too, right? Yeah, in many ways. Be- because it used to be, okay, you know, television and communal sharing and talking about sitcoms or, you know, Dateline specials or whatever, that's always been a part of the American lexicon. But now when they drop something, you could watch the whole thing in one day or night just by binging it, right? And so it's just so interesting the way we're going to get to the Manti Teo documentary oh, yeah. that, that just dropped that it seems like everybody and their mom has been watching. But what do you think of this phenomenon? Because it is sort of a it's interesting from a business and a marketing perspective, but it's also interesting just in the way that information spreads from true, just word of mouth conversation. Yeah, the the whole sort of um, you know being the story of the day feature, like who is the starring character in the day's drama on social media, um, which is a little distinct from the Netflix question. I mean, to your to your comment where you started with next Netflix being a tremendous business. You know, I think we're not quite sure how good a business it actually is. Right, right, right. I think we're sure it's a tremendous company. And it's a, a tremendous, tremendous influencer. And a tremendous product. Right, right. Consumers really like it in general. True. And we like streaming. It's not... The, the amount of money they have to... The amount of money they have spent on generating content... Right. Relative to the number of subscribers. I mean, I think, I think they... I think, like, they're spending on content versus per subscriber is about $8,000, which is... Um, Kind of ridiculous. When, when you're making like 90 bucks off every subscriber. Yeah, the lifetime whatever. value of a customer is, is it's highly unlikely that it's $8,000. For sure. Um, but yeah, the and that's that's also an, an interesting thing. You wonder what is the, the duration of this influence. If they drop mm-hmm. a documentary or a series all at once, they can grab share of, you know, attention for... The amount of share of attention they have is huge, but the duration of that share is pretty finite because people right. just burn through it. For sure. So do you want do you want something that's like a slow burn over a longer amount of time, right. or do you want something that's like white hot for a shorter period of time? I, I I don't know. I tend to think in this news cycle, I mean, obviously you want to kind of try to thread the needle of both, but that's that's hard to do. Well, there's a parallel there to like the music industry, right? It, it used to be. You, uh, an artist might release one, two, yeah. three, four singles before they dropped it out. Michael Jackson was the king of this. Oh, yeah. You heard two songs or three songs before he dropped the album. Then he dropped the album, and the album would sell 10 million copies on the first day because right. you're like, well, I already know these three songs. But then he would keep dropping the singles, and the album would stay in the top 100 for, you know, two years. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of look at it between Netflix and, like, you know, the HBO model, for example. HBO still does it like series style where they don't release the next episode. Like, I, you know, I've, I'm caught up on my hard knocks. I can't wait till the next yeah, one comes yeah. out. But you have to wait. But I'm, I got to wait a week. I can't yeah. just sit there and watch all six hard knocks in the span of three and a half hours. I got to wait a week to get my next 45-minute episode. Seems like it's better for the sort of the allure of it. I always wonder, too, from a content standpoint, if Netflix is trying to just flood it as hard as they possibly can to see how broad they can build their audience and then hone it back in. Because I've always thought they have too much content if you're talking about one specific group, but they're not hyper-focused like that. It's so much broader. That's why they have so much, so many different realms of content. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the broad point there is that Netflix probably is over-invested in content 
and and, and underinvested in quality. Sure, they've sort of done in every you know throw everything at the wall. The, you know the kitchen sink strategy because there's a lot of not great stuff on there for and, sure. And, and there's a lot like you look at the Netflix the stuff that has like the little red end in it. There's so much. Yeah, and some of it hits and some of it doesn't. Whereas like an HBO. They just and, and Apple TV to a large extent and yeah. Disney like they're investing in in premium products for sure and franchises that people want to buy into like you know Apple TV whether it's you know people subscribe to Apple TV just so they'll be you know just just so they'll have it when the Ted Lasso season three sure. comes out people don't really subscribe to Netflix that for that reason uh, their major franchises have kind of dried up and you know sort of their anchor franchises um, they're more into like the surprise rollout yeah it is now ESPN radio uh, business angle Justin angle joining us here uh, more than anything, though, I think the lasting impact of Netflix, regardless of what the, the future is or how broad the business angle could become, is the disruption of cinema, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. When you and I were growing up, you know, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, if you wanted to go to a movie, it, depending on who you wanted to go to the movie to, you could go to a theater and there could be a kid's option or a romantic option or a couple different dramas and you know maybe an action option and a shoot 'em up and a mystery and a sure. thriller and all and all that right you could go to the same theater every weekend for a couple months and see a different type of movie now you go to a theater and all you're going to get is a nostalgic dose of something uh animation to its maximum something or a marvel franchise right there's a great book called the big picture and it's all about how this shift happened and how studios, why they made the decision to go all in on either nostalgia, crazy blockbuster, or a combination of both. Uh-huh. And mostly it's because what used to be just the wicked movie drama that was, you know, that's, that's my type, my favorite type of movie. Like the drama thriller type movie is my favorite type of movie. Well, now those are just Netflix series. Yeah. Because all the writers shifted, right? If you want to be a very profound writer, you want to write prose, why wouldn't you write, want to write a seven-year-long, you know, a hundred-episode series rather than one two-hour movie? Yeah, and think about it from, you know, it's, it's it's the writers, it's the actors, it's the directors and producers. And, and I think uh, in, in some ways this has been a boon for those creators because now that just the there's so many different types of canvas if you can use that metaphor like yes. you know they can play in the long form series multiple seasons or they could take you know what traditionally would have been like shoehorned into a long movie that maybe will lose some viewers because it's just a little too long and they could put that into you know, a three or four episode arc on Amazon Prime or something like that. So the, the number of ways they have to to kind of package their content in a way that's appropriate to the story they want to tell is much greater now. A business angle is the overlay between business and sports. We do this every other Tuesday here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor, joining us here uh, on your Tuesday we don't have to get into the logistics of the ridiculousness of the story sure. of Manti Teo as much as I want to ask your opinion about sort of the premise because we see this a lot in higher education and sports, and it's particularly powerful at a place like Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, I don't know if it's unique, but it's very rare in its sort of place as an institution yeah. with heavy religious affiliation, religious branding, 
as well as being a premier institution right in the heart of the center of the country. And they are also probably, I don't even think it's probably, I think it's certainly the school in which the effect that a powerhouse football team can have on the brand of your school is... Uh, Notre Dame is on the tip of everybody's tongue because of football. Oh, yeah. Notre Dame got the NBC football deal, and then everybody in the United States, whether they're living in the middle of nowhere, Arizona or Montana or Indiana, knows Notre Dame. Then you got the Gipper and Newt Rockney and Rudy and all these different things. But pop culture became synonymous with Notre Dame. Okay, then Notre Dame had this sort of dark years Mm -hmm. in the late 80s into the early 90s. And then when they finally started getting it back, they needed another marketing campaign. This story of Manti Teo is such a great example of trying to harness uh, what should be sort of this, not even a feel-good, but like a heartstrings tugger of a story and the way it can backfire. Oh, yeah. So what do you, I mean, what do you think of this just broadly? Because it just seems like you're always going to be searching for that avenue where you have this marketable young person from your university to take your brand to a national level. But you got to fact check it, else all of a sudden this happens. And, and of course, this didn't like destroy the Notre Dame brand, but this is an incredible embarrassment for everybody involved that this guy had a Heisman Trophy campaign basically around a person that didn't exist who allegedly died but didn't die because she was never alive. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of a story like this, you know, you being a journalist would probably appreciate this. And I'm not a journalist, but I have some understanding of how how big stories develop. Sure. And you have what's called a red team. Right. Right. You, you take a, a portion of your, of your of your newsroom and assign them to be the not not so much the fact checkers, but to be like write the other half, write the other side of the story. Exactly. Like pick, shoot every hole you can. Yes. At this story, and they're dedicated as investigate you know, as many resources as you're putting into de- doing the investigative journalism to do the story itself. You want to invest a similar amount in trying to tear down that story, because if you if it, you know. Nobody's going to work as hard as you will to find the flaws in it. So you, you, you kind of have to think that through if you're building a marketing campaign. And, and it's so easy for us. Like we as people, as a society, we love these easy to process narratives. These That's right. Real, we just are, it's like our, we're conditioned to fall into them. And as soon as you find yourself under the trance, you're like, oh, I'm under a trance. Like I, I, I'm, 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 I'm hypnotized by this. There has to be. There's likely to be a problem with it if you find yourself like succumbing to that hypnosis effect. It's like they say, like I teach you in feature writing in journalism school. Feature writing in its in its essence is finding a subject and finding the central conflict of their life and then writing about it. Mm. But in this case, the central conflict of this young man's life was a tragedy. Yeah. In which, though, as a journalist, you must confirm that said tragedy happened. Yes. Right? As weird and crazy as it might sound, and as much as we want to take people's word for what it is, you need to confirm that both his grandmother and this girlfriend died, and in fact, these people were real people that existed, and it seems like that fell short. But it's also just, I guess my question for you, though, is what do you think of universities and athletic departments sort of, not even seeking out, but when they seek it out, promoting this kind of stuff to an almost exploitative nature. You're you're right. It's what people sort of can easily relate to, but it also seems like, man, I I guess how far is too far when you're trying to use the, the 
the death and tra- trauma surrounding the death, the grief surrounding sure, a sure. death for the, the promotion of a brand, yeah, it seems tenuous. I mean, whether it's, you know, a, a death or an illness or particularly uh, difficult upbringing or whatever the story of adversity is, right, whatever the circumstance, these are high-risk operations. You're trying to use backstory as a vehicle for selling something that's packaged on the field, right? And that's how these major awards, whether it's uh, what what is the I don't know what the defensive player of the year award is in college football. Like, it's the Buck Buchanan award at the FCS level, but at the the top. Doug Walker I, I, is I, that Doug Walker is the uh, running back award. I believe yeah. Bronco Nagurski is the okay. defensive. Well, player. anyway, like there, there's the Heisman and then all these others. Sure. And the, the the returns to a, an institution for having an athlete not only win that award but be considered in this you know in sure. the set of in all the storytelling around that all the media coverage um and in some ways like it's almost like a lie in politics like the 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 effort it takes to correct a lie like nobody sees that versus right. the, the original lie itself so what what I'm getting at is like from a pragmatic standpoint like it, it kind of makes sense to take these big cuts. Yeah. And you can see how the incentives um, would lure a sports marketing department into doing that. And the risks of doing it, you know, are, are kind of unclear because the, sure. the, 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 the sort of ugly part of the story plays out so long after... Um, or potentially so long after that, that that maybe it justifies the risk. I'm not sure. I'm not suggesting that it's the right thing to do, but I can see why people fall into the trap. For sure. I think that the things, I think it is an applicable and in some ways good thing to do if you have confirmation of whatever the tragedy is that is the central conflict of this person's I mean, life. It's basic, right? Like do and, uh, But also that, that the person themselves that you are profiling and or using for your promotion yeah has identified that this certainly was a motivating factor and they are okay with you using this. Because I I hearken back to last year on Monday Night Football, the Monday Night Football crew was talking about Najee Harris, who's the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were talking about this destitution that he grew up in in high school and college. After the game, he must have heard from his family or something that they were talking about how bad his life was, and they were talking about how he used to live in his car and all this stuff. He tweeted right at the the booth, the the broadcast booth, and said, "Why are you saying stuff about me and my family when all of that stuff you said is only half true? Plus, I never told you that that was a central conflict in my life. Stop trying to glorify right. my poverty as my motivation. Maybe it's not my motivation. Mm. So I think you have to identify with the person as well. That's where I think this Manti Teo thing went awry. Is that the kid is obviously a very sweethearted but also naive kid, hence why he got catfished." And I think he kind of just went along with it. Like, I'm, I'm an All-American for Notre Dame. They want to prop me up, and they want this to be part of the story. And, and I believe it's part of my story. I'm going with it. And, and let's remember that the, the these are largely children. Well, that's what I'm saying. They, right? yes. like, these are young people. Young people. Uh, young adults uh, under at the best. tremendous pressure. Not really trained in this space. And then there's this whole apparatus of what are presumably professionals right. trying to monetize the story and the abilities of these young people. I mean, right. so that, th- th- and particularly with a collegiate athlete, I think there is a tremendous responsibility on the part of the, the coaches and the athletic staff and the media folks and the university in general 
to, to, to not only fact check, but also make sure that this individual is ready for that. If they're going to roll this person out as the face of the brand, they have a responsibility to give that person the support and training they need. Dawn is now ESPN Radio, a business angle, conversation about business and sports. Justin Angle joining us here. Thanks so much for tuning in, whether you're listening on the radio or SWX Montana Television or the new ESPN Montana app. Okay, I'm sure this is, I think this is going to be a subject that lingers for a while, so we'll come back to this. I want to talk to you about two more things. One, first of all, I said this on the show yesterday, but I'll keep on telling you, the third week of September, we will be in Portland, Oregon. Twofold is the motivation there. We'll be there to cover the Montana State at Oregon State game that will actually take place at Providence Park in downtown Portland. That's on September 17th. We'll also have a series of remote broadcasts sponsored by 10 Barrel Brewing in Portland from uh, the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday leading up to that game. And we're also going to have some action with both the Alumni Association at Montana State and the Grizzly Scholarship Association at the University of Montana. So that will be very fun. But that got me thinking, Justin, about the fact that I had uh, sort of floated this plan because I have some buddies out there in Portland and I wanted to go out there and hang out with those guys for a little while. Under the full assumption when I was first making this plan back in June... But I was just going to shoot back and forth to Corvallis sure. to cover the Montana State game. No problem. It's like an hour away. It's all good. Then I realized, oh, my gosh, it's a downtown Portland. I can just walk from my buddy's house right down to Providence Park. But then I started thinking, okay, on one hand, cool for, for Oregon State, whose stadium is, I think, actually was demolished, and they're building a whole new stadium. Mm-hmm. Cool for them to have an opportunity to play in, in the state's biggest city, one of the biggest cities in the Pacific Northwest, in a downtown venue that's very cool. But on the other hand, do you lose a sense or a place, like a sense of place or a a sense of home when you do that? Maybe Oregon State's not the greatest example in the world, but how important do you think it is to have a a consistent brand or, I guess, a consistent home if you're a college football team? Yeah, I I think one way to look at this is is customer segmentation. Mm, Okay. Right, principle in marketing where you sort of develop specific product, price, place, and promotion to address specific market segments, right? And, and you can think of that in terms of these games. So, like, if, if you take uh, the value of a home game and the appeal that, the unique appeal that has in your stadium to your fan base yeah. and try to move that to another stadium, you risk alienating that existing customer base in in exchange for possibly extending the brand into new customer bases, right? right. The folks in Portland, the bigger media market, and, and maybe the folks that won't travel from Portland to 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 Corvallis, or just the ancillary attention that the university, that Oregon State University, will attract in a bigger media market, and maybe the, you know the, the the folks from the visiting team that would that would come. Um, so you're you're kind of uh, you view it as an opportunity to extend the brand, and anytime you do that, you risk losing some of your existing customers. In this case, I think the trade-off works, particularly if, you're, if your stadium's under renovation. It makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, I don't know what the, the parallel in, in Montana would be. Maybe it would be like playing a home game uh, in no, I mean, Spokane doesn't make any sense, right. but, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when I was at the University of Washington, they did, I think, one of the Apple Cups at Quest Field, which is no longer Quest Field. It's like Climate Change Arena yeah, or sure, some, sure. something like that. But yeah, that was seen as like, what are they doing? They're leaving, you know, the the Husky Stadium to go to this uh, you know thing across town. But at the same time, it made for a, a unique celebration of the event in a way. So um, I just view it in terms of segmentation. You're trying to reach a different set of customers. Yeah, and I think that Oregon State is a, such a different example too because Oregon and Oregon State 
both draw so much from Portland. Yeah. It's not Corvallis that's filling up Research Stadium or, you know, that, right, or, right. or Eugene that's filling up Oregon's Otson Stadium. Most of the fill-in comes from the city. And so you feel like, you know, apples to apples. It, I would actually be – like if Oregon was doing it, it would be a downgrade because Otson Stadium is 65,000 people. Providence Park is 25,000 sure. people. Research Stadium was just over 30,000 people and Providence is twenty five. So – you're not losing that much in terms of what you get at the yeah. gate. And also, like you're saying, there's probably a lot of crossover. I mean, I bet you about a third, if not more, of the crowd at an average Oregon State game is already in Portland. So now you're actually empowering them. They don't have to drive down to Corvallis. Yeah, and I think just, you know, gosh, maybe we should look at it from the wins and losses standpoint, yeah, too. Yeah, right, like, totally. Like, what is it about your home field that gives you a unique advantage? Is there something sure. unique about that? Well, and that's that, like when you t- if you think about the Montana schools. Yeah. There's there's no other place they could play in Montana that's better than where they play. No, in fact, nowhere no. close, right? Like if the Bobcats started had to play a Butte High School, and the Ranchy Stadium is the best football venue in the state, in my opinion, that's not the college stadiums. Well, it's one third the size of Bobcat sure. Stadium. It, yep. It's just not going to be the same thing, the same home field advantage. I, I do think, though, in general, like there there is outside of like whether or not it helps the team or not on the field. I just think there's cool, like we're seeing it in professional sports, like the Field of Dream games in, in baseball, mm-hmm. and that when the NHL started doing that outdoor, you know, hockey pond hockey game. Yeah. I mean, those are a bit different because it's kind sure. of a, a totally different experience for both teams. Um, but I, I just like the notion of you know taking an established brand and established product and trying to extend it into new uh, into into new channels, provided it's 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 a well thought out risk. We only have one example of this from the Grizz side of things that I can think of, at least, and that's when Dahlberg Arena got remodeled, and the Grizz and women's and Lady Grizz had to play at Sentinel High School. Mm-hmm. Coincidence or not, Robin Selvig had one losing season in his entire career as the head coach of Lady Grizz for 38 years. It was the year they played in Sentinel High School. I don't know. <laughs> it maybe they also had, I think, three major ACL injuries that year, so that could have been a part of it as well. But either way, uh, Nuana's now a business angle. Justin Angle joining us here. Uh, on ESPN Radio. Okay, last thing I want to talk about, and uh, we don't have to get specific, or at least you don't, because I know that uh, you are employed by the University of Montana. But I want to ask you a broad question here. How You are a guy that is uh, engaged in uh, running throughout your life. Mm-hmm. From a cross-country and distance running perspective, how important is a coach, uh, particularly when you're talking about collegiate level of runners? It's not just as simple as, Oh, those guys can just go figure out how to run around all over the place, right? I, it feels like there needs oh, yeah. to be some sort of direction in the sport of cross country. Absolutely, I think coaching is tremendously important. I mean, coaching um, one, you know, is, it, it, there is this connection between you know which is more important, the coach or the athletes. But the coach is largely responsible for getting the athletes here and developing them. Yep. And you know, in a sport like cross country, you know, there is. A, there's a trend that's wear and tear on athletes in any sport, For right? Sure. But but in, in cross country, it's pretty, and running in general, it's like training load yeah. versus output. For sure, you know, it's less of a skill based sport. And, and having and a, managing it, managing your health is one exactly. of the most important parts, right? I mean, people think football injuries. Football is going to have so many catastrophic injuries. Yeah, traumatic I've ne- injuries. I've never known a track person that wasn't hurt mm-hmm. for at least a portion of their track part. And again, it's not a complete blown out knee. It might just be a calf strain or a pulled hamstring. 
but it delays and, and makes your training have a, a bit of a gap in it, right? Yeah, and, and every athlete, you know, it has to go through this systematic training system at, at, or steps of training, and the coach needs to be in tune with it and manage that load, the health, and there's all sorts of conflicts of interest for a, a collegiate running coach, um, particularly, you know, yeah. Different athletes develop at different points sure. of that period of their life. Right. Bone density is not fully developed at that point in totally. life. And those things are hard to measure and hard to observe. And oftentimes a coach faces short-term rewards of performance versus long-term health effects of the athlete. So it, it really makes sense to me to have an important person or quali- you know, a qualified um, ethical person in, in that seat, particularly since it's a non-revenue sport. Um, and beyond that, the coach sets the culture of the team. That's right. You know, and, and culture is tremendously important to teams at, at, at any level. I think it's more important for teams that don't have those kind of professional opportunities associated with them. And the coach largely sets that that tone. The reason we are talking about this is the University of Montana has not had a head track and field coach for several uh, months. They just hired Doug Fraley. That has not come with the accompaniment of a head cross-country coach. They participate in... Uh, I think it's called the Battle of the Inland North, North Inland Northwest, some sort of meet like that in the Spokane Cheney area in less than two weeks. Seems like it should be important that they might have a head coach. We're going to analyze this later on, but I just wanted to get it from somebody that actually knows running the uh, the import of having a uh, a leader uh, in a program. Uh, it seems it seems like a gap, and uh, you know, as somebody who used to be a collegiate coach, I sort of <laughs> maybe I have some some conflict in how I view the importance of coaches, but. Um, yeah, going to battle without a coach seems to not make much sense. These are kids. Yeah. You got to have some adults. I mean, I, to- I totally believe in the power of young people and everything, but it, you know, state universities should have some adults that are employed to run the programs they offer. Yeah, we have a responsibility there. I mean, coaches in their essence at the college level are teachers. You need to have teachers for kids that are going to college. They pay to go to college to get taught. New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio. It's a business angle presented by Blackbook Communications. Justin Angle joining us like he does every other Tuesday. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Good to be back. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Welcome back. Duan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. If you are watching 
on TV or on the app. You see, I just put my uh, new Montana Way hat on. Montana Way, uh, owned and operated by Scott Guernsey, a standout wide receiver for the Grizz football team in the early 1990s, and a guy who uh, then went on to stay sort of in the forefront as the color commentator on many of Mick Holine's broadcasts throughout uh, the years, uh, the late Mick Holine, former voice of the Grizz. So thought it had good continuity because Scott's son, Cameron Guernsey, recently committed to follow in his father's footsteps at the University of Montana, Butte High Senior. Happy now to continue our recruiting coverage here at ESPN Radio as well as SkylineSportsMT.com. And there's been a great run of recruits for the University of Montana as of late. We've got more early in-state commits than I can ever really remember. I think six or seven guys between the Grizz and the Cats, but the Grizz, they got four in one week last week, including Cameron Guernsey, who joins us now. He's about to be a senior uh, at Butte High School. Hey, congratulations on the commitment, man. When I say that, though, is it crazy? Does it seem weird that you're about to be a senior? Um, You know, it, yeah, it kind of flew by. I remember just yesterday, I feel like we were in that state championship game about four years ago, and, and uh, you know, time really flies by, and I'm being a senior, and I'm a leader of our team, and, yeah, it just flew by. So you were, you were playing varsity then when you were a freshman when you guys went to the state championship game? Um, yeah, I, I suited up for the for the playoff game. Well, so let's start there then. We're going to get into your recruiting, but uh, you had a little bit of a taste of it, probably like what Butte can accomplish, right? I know that state championship fell a little short, but you're seeing another Butte guy just tear it up. And I know that's now on the other side of the rivalry of talking a lot over there at Montana State. But Butte's such a cool place. They love the high school football there. So just kind of tasting that when you're a freshman, does that now motivate you as you're a senior? Does it kind of show you what you can do? Yeah, it does. And, and you know, um, our uh, our fans are top-notch, you know. They they really – the whole town of Butte feels like it's on your back. You know, they're always supporting you through through the way. And, yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. Well, let's talk about your recruiting. The way it works in Montana, usually the, the top guys start getting recruited a little bit later in their junior year, and then it's kind of the summer full of recruiting. And then some guys make decisions early, some guys, guys don't. But just tell us about when Montana first started getting after you and uh, what you liked about the grits. Um. Uh, they started getting after me about um, probably right after right after school. So maybe maybe at the beginning of summer, you know. But they they've they've been always sending me cards and stuff. And, and you know, once I went to their their camp, you know, that's when I got that offer. So you know, I, I showed out there, and and um, you know, my dad always went to the Grizz, and and you know, I'm sure that's where he wanted me to go. But I tried not to let him have an influence on where I went. You know, I kind of did it for myself and. And, you know, um, it's just, I think it's a great place, great city. And, you know, and who wouldn't want to be a Grizz? Cameron Grizzly joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. And as he mentioned, his dad, an all-time great Grizz, uh, Scott Grizzly, who was a receiver for Montana uh, in the early 1990s, still has a bunch of marks that rank in the top 10 in school history. And then a lot of people listen to this show probably also remember Gerns as the color commentator alongside Nick Colleen for a really long time on the radio broadcast as well. So you mentioned though you wanted this to kind of be your own choice. So uh, how do those two things kind of meet? Because obviously you probably knew a ton about the Grizz your whole life growing up just because of your dad's background there. Uh, but kind of, how do you kind of make this decision your own? It's probably it's probably really exciting for you when you first did get the opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, I always grew up watching the games as a kid, and you know, just just you know, all the fans on top of you, and and you know, but. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to make my own legacy, make my, make my own name for myself, you know, in the, in the city of Missoula. And um, 
I don't know. It was, it was just kind of hard because, you know, people are always being like, man, your dad went there, so are you going to go there? And, you know, I tried not to let him influence me too much, but it kind of just felt like the right choice. Well, your dad was such a great player at Montana. I actually think he had the first 1,000-yard season in, in Grizz history. Has he taught you some stuff, though? I mean, a lot of times dad and son, you don't end up playing the same position, but he's a receiver, you're a receiver. So, I mean, has he taught you some tricks? Um. Yeah, you know, well, in, in, in high school, you know, he was he was more of like a, a running back. You know, he didn't always play. And, you know, he, he always tells me I got a different build than him. You know, I just got different different um, abilities and stuff like that. But, you know, he's, he's taught me some stuff, some just running tricks and just coverage stuff. What else about Montana did you like? What did you like about the coaching staff? What do you think of the school, Missoula, all that stuff? Um, I haven't like really looked into the school yet. I'm, I'm still trying to just focus on my team right now, but I really like the coaching staff there. They, they, they welcomed me and, um, it just, you know, they, they brought me in and it felt like it was the right place to be. Montana has always had such great tradition, such great success. Uh, but it seems like there's even a little bit more juice behind the program, a little more momentum now with, with Bobby Houck back. And I know he's putting a high priority on recruiting Montana guys like you. So, what do you sort of think of just the trajectory of the program that the Grizz have right now? Um, you know, it's been going up the past few years. Um, they're, they're starting to be big time, you know. And um, I don't know. I think I think they're just going to keep getting better, you know. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Maybe you're tuning in on the ESPN Montana app. Butte High School senior Cameron Gurdsey joining us here uh, on the radio. Let's talk about your high school program because Ari Gray does a great job. And he's done a great job making Butte High kind of his own program. Uh, every year there's guys that are coming out of Butte High that are going to the college level, and you guys have been competitive year in and year out for about a decade now. So uh, what about Coach Gray's program, though? How, how do you think that your time at Butte High has prepared you uh, to make the step to the next level? Well, I, I think he's a great coach. You know, his culture, his way of doing things is um... – is very specific, you know. He always he always preaches on getting one percent better each day. You know, you never want to try to do too much. You know, just just focus on the little things, and um, you know, as time goes by, you really see how much you progress. It's also so funny because Butte has such a reputation as such a, a tough town, and I think if you would have said twenty five years ago that Butte was going to be running, you know, the air raid spread, people would be like, "What are you talking about? That's never going to happen." But you guys throw the ball a lot. I know. Last couple of years, you guys, have, you know, you kind of crafted to the personnel. But when when Ari has the receivers, he's going to want to throw it around a little bit. So uh, how do you think that helps you? Because it seems like you guys are doing a little bit of uh, some pretty sophisticated stuff offensively. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when when you have the guys to throw to, you know, he tries to he tries to get you the ball. But, you know, I think we always we always try to have a strong run game, too. But um, when you got the when you guys got when you got guys to throw the ball, you know, you got to use them. Well, how about coming into this year? Because I know last year uh, you guys had a good team. So many veterans, though. I mean, what did you guys have last year? 30-something seniors? I mean, there was a lot of seniors at View High last year. Yeah, well, how, we, do you, I, how, how do you go about kind of replacing those guys? I mean, what's 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 uh, your senior class's mentality? Because it's kind of now your turn to lead the way. Well, you know, we lost a lot of guys, and, you know, that was hard. But we have we have a strong junior class, I think, to help us out. And um, we're not a very big senior class. I think we got like 18 of us. So, you know, we're, we, we put a lot of hard work in in the offseason. And, you know, the younger classes, I think they're going to help us out a lot. So I think I think we'll uh, we'll be pretty good. We'll be all right. Remind me, who do you guys open up with? Senior, and uh, on Thursday. 
So just a couple days away, high school football is here on Thursday. We can't wait for it here at Nuanas now. It's going to be very exciting. I think double A has as many good teams uh, as there's been in a really long time. I think there's 12 or 13 teams that are all really good. So uh, what do you think of just the competition in the state? What do you think about opening up with Billing Senior? Well, um, Senior, you know, they're, they're a good group of guys. Um, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been doing our film on them and, and stuff like that. And, you know, the West is always pretty competitive with, with Sentinel and Capital and, and Glacier. But, um, you know, I think we'll do just fine over here on the West. And the East, I don't know too much about the East, but um, I, think, I think the competition's top-notch. You guys going to Billings or are they coming to Naranchi? They're coming to Naranchi. Oh, man, so it's going to be wild there on Thursday night. What's it like playing in front of that crowd? Because, I mean, that's one of the best high school crowds anywhere I've been to in the entire country. You guys must love just playing at home. Yeah, you know, it's it's awesome. It's honestly like uh, Washington Grizzly, you know. They're, they're, it's kind of like the fans are on top of you. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it is truly the best place to play, honestly, in the country. So, you know, just to have the opportunity to play in front of the, in, in front of the fans is pretty special. And Butte itself is just – it's such a cool town. Butte tells its story as good as anywhere. I know some people say, oh, it's kind of old and run down or whatever. No, nah, Butte's, the, Butte's the best. I love Butte, Montana. But it seems like if you come up in Butte and you go to high school in Butte, it has an influence on you. So how much do you think it's impacted you? What have you learned? And, you know, it also seems like maybe you're representing for something bigger, too, when you, when you do leave town. So uh, how do you think just being in Butte these last couple of years has, has influenced you? Well, you know, this town, it's kind of like everybody knows everybody. It's, it's kind of weird, right. you know. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, just you'd be, you'd be walking down the street and people be like, man, good game or, or, you know, stuff like that. But, I mean, I don't know. I think everybody really has an impact on you, you know, just from sitting down at, um, at, at a restaurant and people talking to you. But I don't know. I just it, I think it really does in, impact you and, and makes you want to play better. Cameron Guernsey, recent Grizz football commit, joining us here on ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. And uh, last thing for you, Cameron, then I know you mentioned that you concentrated now on, on this season, on this, this senior year. So getting kind of the decision out of the way and knowing what you're going to do, I mean, does that, does that provide a sense of relief? Or what, what does it feel like to kind of know what the future holds? And does it help you concentrate on your senior year? Um, I think it does. I kind of, I think it takes a little bit of the weight off my shoulders, you know, um, now I don't got to really focus on anything else. I can just go out there and, and, and enjoy this last senior season with my friends and, and go play some ball. Building senior coming to Butte High School Thursday night. Can't wait for the high school football opener. Cameron Guernsey from Butte High, a Grizz to be a senior now. Therefore, the Bulldogs joining us here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for joining us, man. That was awesome. And uh, best of luck with your senior year. We, we'll be following along, but good luck on Thursday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Fun interview. Thanks for Cameron. Guernsey, Butte High Senior, for joining us here on Nuanas. Now, what's Tommy Evans got coming up? He'll tell us that plus the setup for the rest of the week. Keep it right here, Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. This is Nuanas Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio, Missoula. Tommy Evans, the main man who knows all about all the music here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the new and improved ESPN Montana app. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Tuesday. Mr. Thing of the show, always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. A fun show today, heard from a variety of different people. Bryn Malloy was in studio from the AWARE uh, organization. They have their charity golf tournament coming up. We also heard from Cameron Guernsey, recent Grizz football commit, and Justin Angle, a business angle. 
And uh, we kept on rolling through our Big Sky Conference games of the week throughout the month of October and had some more position group previews plus Treasure State Stars, all of it on the podcast, proudly presented by the M Store, the Advocates, and the uh, Montana State Bookstore. If you ever change the channel off this uh, radio station, just go one notch up the dial, 103.3 The Trail. One of, I mean, one of my all-time favorite pieces of media that's ever been created in the world. <laughs> I Seriously, I was listening to The Trail and The Trail only Every time I was in Missoula or living in Missoula before I ever started working here. People may not know how many songs you inadvertently choose on my evening show. Well, see, that's good. Well, you, say, know? you know, same thing. We were, uh, I was rocking out to Weezer all morning. I was playing it and my girlfriend. That was a surprise to me. See, I, see okay. So I, you were, you, the text you sent me was implying that maybe Weezer is like inconsistent or something. Am I just old? I only know the first two Weezer albums. I think Weezer um, is like the best. Really? Yeah, really. As 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 complex of a music palette as you have, when you hit me up with like, "Oh, I like the cheesy new Weezer song about <laughs> peace and love," I was like, "No way, that's a that's, See, that's factual." So here's, I, I must admit this. I had no idea it was a new song until you told me it was a new song. Well, I'm the guy to tell you. I thought it was maybe a song that I missed on like one of the albums. Oh, no. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, maybe I should go back and listen. A little was... bit of love goes a very long way, See? Coulter. It's a very Beatles-esque song. See, and that's the other part that got me. I was like, well, this isn't a song about doom and gloom and nuclear fallout, and Coulter's over here listening to this and enjoying it? We are in a dang parallel universe. You know, the CERN particle accelerator has gotten to you, Coulter. I don't even know what that means. But oh, we I, could talk for a long time about it, it, that, uh, man. It certainly should, should and could be true. Uh, tomorrow's show, fun guest lineup for you. Moving target, as it always is this time of year. But we have a lot of great guests. I don't know in what order, but you don't care. You're going to be here for the whole two hours anyways. That's right. Taylor House, right, the offensive coordinator for the Montana State Bobcat football team, will join us at some point tomorrow. Rob Stanton, who's the head coach of Billings West High School, will also uh, join us in terms of our continued Class AA previews. And we'll also hear from one of our favorite guests, but who we haven't heard from this summer because it's been a busy summer, Dr. Michael Wright from Missoula Bone and Joint. He's an orthopedic surgeon. We'll have a little bit on what does it actually mean when you mess up your meniscus. Tonight, though, on the trail is uh, where Tommy does his best work. Six to seven every Tuesday on the trail. It's the new show. Colder, my best work is keeping you on the air, buddy. Well, that's true. Uh, and that certainly would be uh, <laughs> fully impossible if we didn't have you. Yeah. Uh, what's going on tonight? What do you got? There's all kinds of new music from all corners of the globe, including Armenia. We have the first female commercially successful uh, female wow. uh, singer-songwriter, music producer. but I, And I'm excited about all these things that I wanted to share with you. Uh, but uh, the one that I'm most excited about is this group called The Murder Capital. And uh, the trail has been getting some great press, by the way, from their label. I thought I'd nice. show that off yeah, to you. Yeah. Their new record coming out on Friday is called Dodger Stadium. And it's an ode to these great pastimes in America and okay. baseball and how Dodger Stadium is the focus of many of those. Wow. So I wanted to tell you about the murder, the murder capital. capital. And uh, it sounds a little hardcore, but it's sure. not really, you know, they're they're like Weezer, man. Sure. They're a bunch of hippies, you know, yeah, making yeah. this all this nerd music. I love you it. Know? Of course, I got the newest from Sam Fender, too. Of and course I, you do. Uh, Sam Fender and Tommy are like BFFs. We've had a couple really great conversations. Uh, honestly, he's a dear friend to me. You are like introducing, uh, Sam Fender's making great music, so he's introducing yeah. himself to the world at this point, but you've been playing this guy on the trail for like 
three years. Yeah, I started playing him uh, in fall of last year. I joined the uh, promotional team for his label uh, just after that, and Sweet. so it's been an ongoing effort. He's sold out all three of his North American tour dates. So not saying that I'm responsible, hey. but the writing's on the wall here, it's, Coulter. If you're listening to the trail, you're probably going to have a chance to hear some Sam Fender for sure. You speak of Armenia. Do you know who the most famous band from Armenia is? Don't tell me it's Weezer. It's not Weezer. Weezer is certainly from California or something. Yeah, yeah. Who is it? System of a Down. Really? System of a Down is from Armenia. What? If you ever want to see one of my favorite, coolest YouTube videos is a video of System of a Down performing in Armenia to, really? a, to a crowd of 100,000 people. It's on a, it's on a black, wow. cloudy night, and they're uh, playing their biggest hit. And right when they go into the guitar, and System of a Down's hardcore, right? They're pretty hard. Right man. when they go into the guitar, lightning crashes across what? the whole sky. It's it's a cool video. If you watch it with the Tutel brothers, it turns into a mosh pit, and then, <laughs> then it's an even funnier deal. I mean, they, they nice. both think it's like, you know, the second coming of the Messiah when this happens, and it's just so funny to, to watch them. But here nor there, the That's murder great. capital, a, uh, a female singer-songwriter from Armenia, and... Uh, That'll well, no, be, that's different from the oh, murder sorry, yeah. sorry. So, we got all sorts of stuff coming up on the new show. There's a whole bunch of it. But is that video of System of a Down as cool as Smash Mouth yelling at the crowd? Because <laughs> that's the best, man. And to the listener who sent that in, I have watched some of those. There's more of them. He fights with the crowds, you know? I don't know how much time you got we here. 20 got seconds. Like I'll seconds. shut up. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks to Nick for continuing to listen to the show and uh, encouraging Tommy with his late 90s music exploration. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 p.m., all sorts of football talk. In the meantime, have a great evening. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.